the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. One of the prerequisites for church leadership is a man who can manage his own household well. Now, why would that be? Well, it's because the church is a spiritual family, a household. And if a man cannot manage his own earthly family well, how can he manage the church, which is a spiritual family? Which is precisely what God has in mind when it comes to leaders. Welcome once again to Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely, who returns us to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 as we continue our look at godly leaders and what godly leadership really looks like. Join us today, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Godly Leaders, part 2. Here's Pastor Leighton Sheely now with today's broadcast of Study Verse by Verse. This uh, message is part of our series on the book of 1 Corinthians, which was a letter that was written by Paul to a church, a young church in Corinth that lived in the midst of a wicked and violent and hedonistic and yet prosperous community. Um, It was a seaport community like ours is here, and so the philosophies and religions of the world were all represented there. And uh, the, the Christians there in that church in Corinth struggle to uh, rise to uh, standards of conduct that should reflect the child of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and overcome the influences of uh, the culture around them. And so Paul wrote this letter to give guidance to Christians on how to live in the midst of a godless society. Now, cha- most of chapters 1 through 3 are covering the issue of divisions in the church that formed because of fan clubs uh, that came around the various leaders, uh, Paul, Apollos, and Cephas, which is another name for Peter, some of the greatest leaders in the history of the church. And so after Paul addresses this issue of lifting church leaders onto pedestal, onto pedestals, he then begins chapter 4 describing what a good church leader should look like. And he describes them as slaves, as underrowers. You may recall uh, that expose last week. Uh, stewards who work for Jesus and for Jesus' approval, not people's approval, who love the Bible, are humble. They don't take credit for things that God has enabled them to do. And they're willing to do hard, unattractive work. And, and Paul's description confronts the arrogance and the rebellious nature of certain uh, leaders that had risen up in the Corinthian church. And so as this chapter continues, Paul continues to describe what good godly church leadership should look like. It should look like a good godly dad. That's what Paul says. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14. I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. I, I don't do this just to embarrass you, is what Paul is saying. His purpose was to admonish, to exhort, to plead with them, to repent and correct their ways. He didn't want to destroy them. He wanted to improve them. And he calls them his beloved children to identify the motivation that he was speaking from. It was intended for their good and not for their injury. And the word there is beloved from agape, which refers to the strongest and the deepest kind of love. 
Now, in this letter, Paul had described a spiritual leader as a servant, as a farmer, as God's fellow worker, as a builder, a galley slave, a steward. And now he describes him as a spiritual father, and he uses himself as an example. Now, a father, by definition, is a man who has children. That is, God has used him as an agent of creating life. A man can be a man without being a father, without having children. A man can be a husband without having children. But he cannot be a father unless he has had children. Now, being a father in the natural realm does not ignore that life ultimately comes from God. And being a father in the spiritual realm does not ignore that life ultimately, ultimately comes from God. The apostle did not claim to have the power of spiritual procreation. He says, in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Now, the church is supposed to be a family, and this is not... This uh, was not developed by some Madison Avenue marketing campaign trying to make churches look good. This was, this was introduced by Jesus himself. You remember when the disciples went to Jesus and asked him how to pray? He said, this is the way you're supposed to pray. You're supposed to begin with our Father. Now, he could have said our God. He could have said our Creator. He could have said our Sovereign. And all of those titles would be accurate. But he said that we should pray to our Father. We should address God as Father. Because we are his children by adoption, and therefore part of his family. And that's why we call each other brother and sister. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, he said, uh, Paul wrote, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Now, according to John 3.16, Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. The rest of us are children of God by adoption. And the fact that God would choose to adopt us elevates adoption to a divine priority. Now, there are some people who have been taught for various reasons that adoption is something to be ashamed of. Adoption is nothing to be ashamed of. You see, not all children are chosen. But all adopted children, or I should say adopted children, are always chosen. Adopted children are chosen by their loving parents, and we have been adopted by God as our loving Heavenly Father. So adoption is nothing to be ashamed of. After all, God does it. Now, the New Testament often uses the analogy of family in describing the church. In fact, Paul gives instructions on the qualifications for church leadership in Titus and Timothy, and managing a family is one of the requirements for church leadership. For instance, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes, This is a trustworthy saying, If someone aspires to be an elder, a leader in the church, he desires an honorable position. So an elder must be, and then he gives a list of qualifications, and in verse 4 he says, must manage his own family well, having children who respect, respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? So one of the prerequisites for church leadership is a man who can manage his own household well. Now why would that be? Well, it's because the church is a spiritual family, a household. And if a man cannot manage his own earthly family, well, how can he manage the church, which is a spiritual family? The church is God's family. And church leaders should have the heart of a good, godly father towards the church. So what does 
the heart of a good father look like? Well, I'm not a perfect example by any means, but I do try to be a good and godly father. I would die for my kids. I get angry when someone mistreats them or takes advantage of them. I get furious when someone endangers them or tries to lead them astray. I make sure they have a roof over their head, food in their stomachs, clothes on their backs, and in recent years, gasoline in their tanks. (laughs) And I try to encourage them to choose a godly path. And you know, I have learned more about the love of our Heavenly Father towards us by being a father than I could have ever learned reading thousands and thousands of books. I mean, there have been so many uh, illustrations that have given me Perspective on our relationship with our Heavenly Father. I can remember a number of years back, uh, my son was very small. I don't know how old he was, two, three, four, somewhere. He was just learning words. He didn't know quite how to put them together as sentences. And he was sitting on my lap, and uh, we were watching Jenny cook dinner. And uh, so dinner was coming, and there was something on the table in front of him that he wanted. I don't know if it was dessert or candy or whatever it was. And I can remember that little pudgy hand aiming towards that food on the table. And uh, he was sitting on my lap, and I said, Sterling, don't touch. And I can still remember him. His hand stayed right there, and he looked up at me, and he looked at whatever it was, and he looked up at me, and then he pulled his arm back. And you folks already know what happened next. He waited for me to lose attention, and his arm went back out again. And, uh, and so I said, Sterling, don't touch. And he looked at me, and he looked at whatever's on the table, and looked back at me, and withdrew his hand. Well, he was a little longer this time, but that hand bit back out again. Third time, and, and I said, Sterling, don't touch. And he looked at me, and he looked at what was on the table, and he looked at me, And he said, Daddy, you go there. (laughs) And he was pointing down the hall. He wanted me out of the room. (laughs) He wanted me away so he didn't have to do what Daddy wanted him to do. And, you know, that's oftentimes what we do with our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father has promised never leave us nor forsake us. Sometimes we want to do things we know are displeasing to him. And we like to say, Dad, go there. You go there. So many lessons that we learn about our Heavenly Father's love for us by being a father. And when my kids do wrong, and from time to time they do, I don't throw them out of the family because we're family. We're stuck to each other. Good families stick together. And some people think that God is just waiting for a reason to throw us out of his family. And he's not. He's a good father. He's a model father. I don't throw my children out of the family when they disappoint me, and our Heavenly Father doesn't throw us out of His family when we disappoint Him. And I want the very best for mine, children. And to that end, I I try to lead them and guide them and teach them and protect them. And sometimes they insist on learning things the hard way. And I have to step step out of the way and let them learn from that painful experience why what they're wanting to do is wrong. Now, of course, I won't let that happen if it might result in indelible scars or permanent injury. But when they finally get the message and they figure out, oh, that's why it's wrong, then I help get them up and dust them off and forgive them and encourage them and participate with the healing process. You see, good and godly church leaders are like good and godly dads. 
fathers. You know, a number of years back, I was, uh, it was a Sunday afternoon, beautiful Sunday, sunny Sunday afternoon, and I was uh, on Skyline. I was going north on Skyline. I stopped at a red light up where Skyline and Sharp Park cross. And up beside me drives this gorgeous Shelby AC Cobra, 427 cubic inch, running at, uh, running at the red light. And I leaned over to the driver that was there, and I said something about how beautiful the car was and how I wish I, I could have one. And, and uh, he said something about, well, this is the benefits of not having a wife or kids. And as we drove away from that light, me in my rusting Slant 6 Dodge Dart, and him in his Land Rocket, I glanced over to my son who was sitting in uh, his car seat, and I did the analysis in a nanosecond. I concluded that what I had was a whole lot better than what he had. Making sure our priorities are in line with God's. That is the mark of a godly leader, as we're finding out here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. This has been Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Layden Sheely from Church of the Highlands here in San Bruno. Information about the church, this radio program, directions, service times at the church, it's all at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Thanks for joining us today. Tomorrow, we'll close out the week. Join us then. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.